ready to begin. What year is this? The year is 2020, and this is Beyond Sin. All right, hey there, welcome to the show, this is Beyond Synth, episode 239, and I am your host, uh, Andy Lass, that is my name. Today on the show, I will be talking to Teal, that's with three E's, he's a cool guy, and we had a fun chat, but before that, I am joined by my my co-host this week, Damocles, how's it going, man? Yes, oh, it's so brilliant, fantastic, and fabulous. A normal day. Well, what is a normal day now? Well, mine are always like, you know, fabulous, fantastic, and wonderful. It's a state of mind. <laughs> <laughs> so how has this whole sort of a global situation affected your uh, lifestyle? Are you still pretty much the same, or is there things you're not doing? Well, as a matter of fact, I, for 40 years, I have been an entrepreneur. But since December, I'm actually employed. And I was enjoying that very much, uh, going to work, meeting my co-workers and everything and suddenly I was back in my basement because working from home was a new thing. Now um, I'm working just 40%. Uh, the state covers the rest. And that gave me time to finish my EP. That's, that's a good thing about it. Yeah, brilliant, wonderful and happiness all over. So I should just remind people, because you have to explain to people the weirdness of the fact that you are Swedish, living in Sweden, yeah. but you have this accent. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, for the remainder of the program, I will be speaking like this. I don't want to confuse people. <laughs> The point is, uh, we're not even going to go into that right now. So if you want to know more about Damocles, <laughs> you can <laughs> you can go back and listen to when he was on the show. I think that was last season. Yep. Anyways, look, the point is, you're here now, and I'm glad you're doing okay. There is something we actually have to talk about, because someone sent me a clip. We'll talk about this after I play a song. Because um, you didn't send it to me, somebody else did. It was you, when you were younger, on some sort of variety show, mm. playing music, and I believe it was a song about masturbation, if I'm correct. Yes, my dark past <laughs> has come. I want to tease that out for the listener here, because it was a really funny clip, and I guess it goes to show, having met you last time we did the show, uh, you are obviously a, a dude who's a, sort of a goofy man. <laughs> And apparently this has been going on your whole life because I saw this clip and I'm like, oh, wow, because it was you, but you had black hair and uh, still sort of uh, had the same sort of quirky goofiness about you. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Without the keytar, though. Well, hold on. We gotta, we'll talk about this after a song. Look, I want to... <laughs> I'm not a very organized guy. Listen, I want to start off the show with uh, with some energy, and so this was uh, this is a fun track. It's by an artist called City of Rain from the album Underdog, and uh, this is a cool track. I hope I pronounce it correctly. I just would like to say that it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, the Kings of the Pattersons. There's Robert D. Bishop, Chris Dance, and Mike Shima. You guys are awesome. So now, let's listen to this track. This is, I'm hoping I say this right, Syzygy. S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y I think that's Syzygy Anyway, it's a cool song It's by City of Rain Uh, Do it up
right, and that was City of Rain with the track Syzygy. S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y, I hope I'm doing that correctly. Yeah, isn't that the name of that weird magician in Superman? And then you say the name backwards and it goes back to his... his dimension or something. Yeah, that's Mr. Mysticlis Plix or whatever. Mixia Tiplix? Yeah, exactly. Almost the same. What the fuck is that guy's name? Mr. Mr. Mixia's... (laughs) Fuck. Anyway, look. uh, We're back here. Uh, This is Beyond Synth. And I hope you guys are having a lovely day. Of course, that song was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, Jacob Wick uh, is an awesome guy and he's been a great supporter of Beyond Synth. So thanks, dude. You're cool. And of course, City Hunter is also awesome with the 42. You guys are cool people. I'm back here right now with uh, with Damocles, who's joining me. So, yes. let's get down to it here. You want to talk about masturbation, <laughs> don't you? Alright, so, this clip, I guess you were on some sort of variety show. What year was this? Tell me everything about this. It's a long story, so... You have four minutes. <laughs> uh, well, it goes way back to the 90s when I learned this song from a friend of mine. We went on a very long road trip and traced it, like, back to the 40s. So it's been a party pleaser for a very long time. Uh, the music from is from um, a merchant in, in Venice, so that's uh, an established composition. But uh, I don't know the the lyrics author. Anyways, I thought it deserved kind of a good recording. So in my studio back then in the 90s, I recorded it like symphony style. It was sitting on my shelf for quite a while, but years later, I was working as a web developer. Uh, We were working on a website called um, uh, Come in a Condom. (laughs) Yes, you heard that right. And uh, they needed to have a prize for a quiz and they didn't have a budget for it. So I said, well, I've got this song, you know. And they listened to it. Yes, that's so great. So suddenly I became very, very famous in the gay society of Sweden. The thing is, two years later, I'd left that agency, but suddenly I got a call from a producer for an English Channel 4. And he had, for some very, very weird reason, found this recording and asked me if I wanted to come and uh, perform in Jean-Paul Gaultier's show, Eurotrash. It was Eurotrash? Yeah. <laughs> this is so weird. Last week, I did a show with Le Cassette. They mentioned Eurotrash briefly, and I had never heard of Eurotrash before, except they mentioned it for wanking, because I guess it always had, like, naked ladies on it or something. <laughs> yes. And so I literally just went to YouTube last week after they mentioned Eurotrash, because I said, what is this show? And for 12 years, they had this show. 12 years. And uh, the guy hosting the show where I appear is uh, Antoine. Because in European television is slightly different than in North America, and we're like pretty much like after 9 p.m., like they would just show boobs and stuff, and some pretty like. They show a lot of stuff. I saw some clips of Eurotrash, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, it was like a comedy sketch show, but then they would also be like, and now we're going to meet this this lady from France who likes to make dildos. And then it would just be an excuse to show, like, softcore pornography for, like, five minutes. And, like, that's kind of, like, what the show is, or at least that's what I gathered. They, like, you know, scouted the, the entire space of Europe finding oddities, as it were, and I was found. <laughs> Me and my wife, we flew down to Paris. It was recorded in Paris. And got an all-day, all-expenses-paid experience in Paris. And um, next day, we went to um, the studio. So they had this huge table full of goodies. And I said, can I have some? Oh, it's for you. 
And then they showed me my my room, my dressing room, uh, where I was met by, you know, four exotic dancers who had been practicing to perform with me. And also the guy who was putting my makeup and stuff like that. And uh, then we did the take. And uh, when it was broadcast, some four million people saw that show. And I've been recognized in the other situation throughout time after that. I decided not to show this until my kids were old enough because I didn't want them to come to school and meet their friends saying, So, is it your father wanking on TV? (laughs) (laughs) So, six years later... I put it up on YouTube in 2009, I think. Well, listen, uh, it was a it was a very funny clip. Again, it was. Uh, I think a lot of things fell into place that day for me, especially in terms of like the whole Damocles experience. <laughs> Who the fuck is this? I was part? like, oh, I see. Like it all, it all makes sense now. Okay, it all makes. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Anyways, look. We got to listen to another track and then we'll uh, we'll keep talking. So this is a track from an artist who I hope I'm pronouncing correctly again. Fuck, this is a pronunciation episode. Uh, I think it's uh, Anoma, A-I-N-O-M-A, Anoma. Oh, I hope that's how it's said. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong by letting me know. Anyways, uh, this is a cool track. This guy makes kind of like uh, dark synth sort of stuff. And uh, this is from the album Manhunter. Uh, it's brought to you by, hell, there's some new Patreon uh, supporters this week. We got a, uh, a new donor owner in the uh, the triple six club uh david lavalley jr uh satan so thanks dude for your support uh i appreciate it. and another uh triple six donor akio nakasone christ i hope i'm saying that right fuck me this whole <laughs> i gotta learn how to say things akio nakasone i hope that's how you say that n-a-k-a-s-o-n-e if i'm wrong let me know because i want to pronounce it correctly and thank you properly for your support and there's another triple six donor optimus syme well, that's easy enough. Thanks, dude, for supporting the show. A very satanic week here on Beyond Synth. So a bunch of new triple six donors. So thank you all so much. Now let's listen to this cool track from Enoma. This is I'm Coming For You.
And that was I'm Coming For You by Anoma from the album Manhunter. Did you select that particular track? Because we were talking about my performance with the song Masturbation. Well, I wish... Uh, this is what we call um, synchronicity. <laughs> this is when uh, a whole bunch of elements in the universe just happen to line up. Because I did indeed pick this track in advance. And it just so happened to work perfectly for that. So, I'm coming for you, and don't forget to uh, come in a condom. Absolutely. That is the best. <laughs> I love... And that, that is the best. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, the point is, uh, you're here today as as co-host, but also because you've put out a new... Is it an, is it an album or an EP or an LP or an SP or an XP? What is it? It's an EP. As it turns out, an EP takes less time to do than an album. And also, people don't have the focus span to listen to an entire album, so EPs are better. And also, I don't get drained creatively as when I've made an album. You know, the mastering of an album takes about a gazillion years, so it drains you totally. An EP is so much easier on you, on every aspect. So I'll go with that maybe twice a year. So, like, what, what's, the, uh, what's the theme? Is there a theme? No. All right. I've actually only made one album with a theme, and that was Time Machine, you know, with all all songs about time travel, which was odd in its way. But apart from that, the theme is, the real thread through it all is that it's me. Hey, I got a question. Yep. So when those ladies came out to dance while you were doing your song, they just already had some routine already planned, and you just sort of had to perform, and they sort of did it around you, or did you guys practice? You know, I recorded myself in the basement with my part of the show and sent it to them, uh, so they watched that, and they came up with ideas to do a performance out of it, and then we rehearsed it together, and then we did it. That's just in a studio, right? Like, was there an audience, or like, how did that work? Well, uh, my wife was there. <laughs> so that's an audience. <laughs> and very proud. Yeah, no. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> it was a, a very outlandish experience. But of all odd things I've done, that's very high up on that list. Well, tell me about this new EP then. You've got one minute to explain it in full detail. Okay, well, it's uh, a six-track EP, mostly high-energy tracks, apart from the last one, which is a slow track, and the last one reflects my feelings that I got when I saw the empty streets of a normally busy city during the crisis. But, you know, it's a, it's a very diversified EP uh, with tracks of different varieties, as it were. Many of you who've heard my music know that I don't stay in wine one particular area of music I go all over the place so this is rocky this is funky this is like you know electro and what have you it's it's all over the place well look there's a bunch of cool uh, tracks on here and I picked one to play and uh, and we're gonna play that now uh, this is from Hyperwave uh, this track is called Over the Ridge and uh, it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the 2666 Club there's Hugh Hefner and Lucas Sabayo you guys are great, and so's this song. This is Over the Ridge by Democles.
that was Damocles with the track Over the Ridge. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. There's Clint Dowling, Jimmy the Hut, Alex Seligson, and a star apart. And uh, thank you guys for uh, supporting the show. And I'm back here with Damocles just shooting the shit, talking about making music. And uh, yeah. And stuff. Yes. <laughs> Don't forget stuff. But actually, tomorrow night, I will be performing that very EP live from my basement on uh, Flashback, the virtual music festival that is going on, on um, May 9th in the evening. So um, it's on the Flashback Music Festival. As far as I know, I'm the only Swedish performer. And I'll do my part, as will the rest, from their own homes. Excellent. Well, look, this is Time Slave recordings and forever synth and retro reverb records are putting on this thing and uh that's what we're talking about this is going to be a good time and that people should tune in is that correct absolutely i mean like as far as live goes this is as far as live goes (laughs) (laughs) that's the best (laughs) as far as live goes this is as far as live goes (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the show where the truth is revealed. Yeah, man. We've revealed lots of truths today. It's been good. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I want to I want to listen to another track here. Yep. And uh, and then we'll uh, we'll keep chatting. So this is a cool one. A little uh, I like the mood of this one. It's by a guy called Dane Whisper, and uh, this is a cool track, uh, which I like, man. It's got a nice sort of mellow vibe. I dig it. Uh, it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club. Well, there's Restless Nights, Honeybeard, Tim Carlton, and Johnny Five. And uh, this track is called Universe by Dane Whisper.
And that was Dane Whisper with the track Universe. And that was cool. That was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. There's Kempson, Martin Larby, Gregorio Franco, Blake Peterson, and Ken Giroux. You guys are very special men who uh, who keep this world turning. And uh, and I'm back here with, uh, with Damocles, and uh, we'll be chatting with Teal in just a little bit. But... I have to do another thing now. Are we back on the masturbation thing? No, no, no. (laughs) Well, here's the deal. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on hold for a few minutes. You know, one of my very special uh, Beyond Sin supporters who've been uh, supporting the show for a very long time, a lady by the name of Ashley Keegan, uh, who people also know as Synchronicity, but it's hard to pronounce. She's just uh, started a new website. She's doing uh, uh, reviews and things like that. And I'm going to give her a quick call right now because quite frankly the past like five or six weeks of episodes have all been dudes and so this is turning into beyond synth is becoming like fucking sausage fest 2000 so i need to uh, i need to hear some ladies voices or else my brain's gonna blow up so i'm gonna give a quick call to ashley keegan and then i want you to just uh, sit there and think about what you've done i will ashley is so cool so give her my love all right. Well, look, uh, I just dialed the number. It's a it's an Irish number, so it's many many characters or numbers. And I'm here with uh, with Ashley Keegan. Hey, Andy, how are you? I'm great. Good. So today, in lieu of saying uh, my favorite Patreon supporters, and there's Ashley Keegan with the 2049. Instead, we'll actually just talk to Ashley Keegan because you have started a website. So why don't you? Tell me all about it. I guess the concept behind it is to be, I suppose, the best retro resource for artists and fans alike. I mean, ideally, I wanted to be a creative fun space to offer as much exposure for artists and for the people who follow them as well, which is great. Version one is what's out there at the moment. I didn't see a lot of bloggers or reviewers from the female persuasion out there doing what I do currently. So I thought I'd inject a little estrogen into the game. Tell me the name of the website. I like also how how, like people over there call it estrogen because we say estrogen over here so there you go yeah well, it's estrogen <laughs> for sure but yeah no the website is simply called www.forgedinneon.com the title itself actually came to me by chance I mean it was something that I wanted to be catchy but with a touch of seriousness because certainly as people know me out there as synchronicity it's quite a mouthful to say that and I mean it's not exactly catchy to a degree so I wanted something I could market with absolutely no degree of marketing credentials whatsoever so I came up with Forged and Neon so I had to stick the neon on there because to be fair who doesn't love a a little synth trope (laughs) yeah and I was just thinking about fucking synchronicity because it's one of the hardest things to say uh, whenever I would see it and I would just be like did I read that wrong? I know I do not know what substance I was on when I came up with that name but mm. to be honest with you estrogen estrogen i should have actually done something with that name you were you were injecting yourself with with uh, estrogen 1984 yeah <laughs> or something along those lines i mean obviously forged in neon was is quite catchy or it certainly seems to have caught fire a little bit which is great but um certainly with respect to that particular name i mean it's something i can brand later and perhaps try and do a little merch thing so yeah no it's been pretty cool so on your side then so we're www which is the important part uh-huh. dot forged in neon so you're doing what reviews and, and interviews and stuff yeah it, it, that's 
that's exactly sort of the, the crux of it. I mean, certainly um, the detail on it would be the likes of news, reviews. I also wanted to kind of ensure that there was a little bit of a spotlight on fans as well, which I didn't see too much of when I explored the better sites out there. There wasn't, there's a lot on the artists, but nothing on the fans who actually pay the money to buy, you know, merch or to see the shows or to fly all over the world like I do in some instances to see you know my favorite shows so certainly that little segment was quite cool to, to kind of pull together um obviously i have the music videos up there as well which i of course have on rotation because i certainly like now that especially on the scene the music video seems to be coming a lot more paramount you know you've got your ollie ride and your nina and all of these people who are doing some stellar work you know in terms of getting the synthwave sound out there but also marrying that with aesthetics which i absolutely adore and um, obviously my spotlight series is, is there as well and in essence i go in i do a deep dive into kind of the bigger players in the scene such as my first one for retro reverb records um, and they have of course a huge live stream happening quite soon so it's news reviews singles and album reviews of course as well music videos I suppose for people, if they're only first into the synthwave scene, can see all these links and go, oh, great, there's more to explore, which is what I wanted to try and achieve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it makes sense. And uh, mm. obviously, you're a good amb- ambassador to do it, or ambassador, as they say over there, because, <laughs> uh, you know, as you mentioned, like you are always uh, traveling and stuff. And it was kind of shitty because I-, I didn't get to see you this time because you arrived right as the pandemic started. And so I was already. Um, yeah, it was probably one of the worst times travel arrangements I have ever made in my entire existence. I mean, gosh, Toronto is my most favorite city in the world. And I mean, gosh, I get to go there maybe twice a year, which is something that I'm very privileged to do. But certainly, you know, my last stint, I had hoped to kind of do the whole St. Patrick's thing, you know, go out, see the parade. I also had, you know, tickets to Cybertronic Spree. I was, I had a lot going on that week, which I was really excited for. And of course, it all just went a little bit haywire. Yes, Um, yes. But it is what it is. I mean, of course, obviously there was, I have a lot of friends in Toronto now and they kept a, a good eye on me and we kind of talked and we, you know, made the best of situation you know i also had some great times with gary from honeybeard and exile and of course julian green which you you have on the show quite regularly you know so it was great to kind of catch up with those guys and i also got to uh, see the synthwave night at tilt before everything was ceremoniously closed down well i'm glad uh, at least it wasn't a complete wash but i know it was a uh... no no i mean of course i mean as, as toronto visits go i mean it wouldn't be uh, up there with the best of them but i mean <laughs> <laughs> I certainly tried to make it as best as I could. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, uh, I got to get back to uh, the show here. I'm just in the middle of talking with uh, Damocles, who did say, he says, send her my love. You know, he's got that accent. Oh, wow. I didn't know he was from Pakistan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, okay. The point is that Damocles <laughs> says hello to you. Excellent. That's what <laughs> Yeah, that guy has an interview coming up with my site very soon, so watch out for that. But anyways, look, the point is, Ashley, thank you as always for being an awesome uh, supporter of Beyond Synth. My pleasure. Thank you. And people should go check out the website. It's just it just started, but it's, it's growing. You've got plans and all this stuff. So where should people go? They should go to www.forgedinneon.com. All right. Well, you have a lovely Irish day. I certainly will. Take care. Thank you. See ya. Bye. 
All right, and that was my chat with Ashley Keegan. So go check out uh, the website. I'll post a link in the show notes there so you can check it out. I, I wanted to uh, just uh, say some more stuff to Damocles. First, I want to listen to a song. You want to say something, like a sentence before I go to it? Yes, life is a bitch, and then you die if you are lucky. <laughs> Look, I'm not finished. Okay. <laughs> What character is this? I don't even know what the hell's happening. Look, I want to listen to this track by an artist called After the Season, and uh, this was one that I thought was really cool. It's called Airport Sunset. It is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, with the 20, there's Andy's Laugh, and then Rachel Buchelman with the 1985, and Nimurat with the 1984. And this is After the Season with Airport Sunset.
And that was Airport Sunset by After the Season. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $15 Club. There's Prophet of Jupiter, Six Mill, Gus Velichek, Hampus ML, and Chatterack. And I am back here right now. Whoops, I just dropped my paperclip. With, uh, I'm back here right now with Damocles, who has uh, been joining me for the uh, the first half of the show. You know, when you're presenting the Patreons, you're actually singing them like it sounds a bit Swedish, you know. Swedish, you know, you could be a Swede. <laughs> well, I think it's because I say them every week, and so now it, it maybe it has become a bit musical because, like, a lot of the supporters have been supporting the show for a while, and so I get into this groove of saying their names, and so there's sort of, I guess, a musicality to it. I think I think we need to make a track out of that. You singing that in that way with a beat. That's actually not a bad idea. That's what people want. I don't think anyone wants it, but I mean... I- <laughs> Because I've got a bunch of people who, like, purposely do joke names, and all the guests always seem to really get a kick out of fucking uh, one guy called Pump Action Foreskin. <laughs> Everyone loves that one. I don't even know who the hell that is. I should probably find out who the hell that is. Okay, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. No, no, it's not. I would never. I'm so serious. Uh, that's probably one of the first things people notice with me, is how serious I am. Yeah, no, you seem like a pretty serious guy. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm I'm so serious that I am flabbergasted just looking at myself in the mirror. Yeah, when you're wearing that damn, uh, the jacket that we both share. Because I still, I'm still posting videos that I did from Outland Toronto last summer, and for half of the interviews I wore the, the jacket. We don't have two jackets, we send it back and forth to each other. I wish that were true, because I think the design of yours is better. Did I... <laughs> I think we already talked about this <laughs> last time. You and I bought the same coat from, uh, what the fuck's that website? William Michaels or something? Or it's, <laughs> they, they keep advertising to me on Instagram. But, uh, I feel like your cut looked cooler than mine. The, the artwork didn't line up in the same way. It's just because it's me inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> But look, man, listen, I do have to uh, go to my conversation with Teal shortly, so I thought we would listen to one more track, cool. and then uh, we'll go do that, and then maybe I'll uh, I'll check back in with you uh, before we end the show. Absolutely. If that's cool with you. So I want to listen to this song. I'll just be dancing here in the background. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to this album from The Abyss called Centurion. It's not his new one. I think it's like one of the older albums. But uh, man, there was a lot of really great songs on this one that I had forgotten about. And so I want to listen to this track by The Abyss. And it is uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Well, there's Pattern Shift, Mads Baron Christensen, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Lyalane. And this is The Abyss with Faded.
All right, and that was Faded by The Abyss from the album Centurion. And that's a cool one. You know, every so often, even though I've got like 45 days worth of music in my Synthwave uh, playlist, it's fun to go back and listen to older albums that I might not have given the time to really sort of uh, process. And uh, that album by The Abyss is uh, really good. A lot of great tracks on there. So look, Damocles, you sit tight. I've got a brilliant way to sort synth, actually. you got the sign and you got the saw and you got the square. So you just sort sine waves in one pile, saw waves in one pile, and the square waves in one pile. And there you go. Easy PC. Well, that does not help me, Damocles. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying trying to sort my music. Anyways, look, listen, you stay there. We're going to go chat now with Teal, and by we, I mean me, and uh, and then maybe we'll uh, we'll check in with Damocles before we uh, we sign out. So now, here is my conversation with Teal. All right, well, I'm here right now with Teal, a.k.a. Now, is Jim Smith your actual name? I mean, I guess James Smith, but my friends call me Jim, so... I think that's accurate. What would you like me to call you? I think Jim's cool. You know, that's that's casual, right? Sure. You don't mean to call you Teal. Teal with the three E's. Um, no, it's cool. I mean, that, that I guess, project name really came from uh, the recording space that I was in was the Teal Color, but I just kind of wanted to own that name and that word. So that's the emphasis with those three E's. But yeah, Jim's, Jim's cool. I'm Jim day by day, so... Jim by day, teal by night, I guess. So it sounds like you were uh, cleverly thinking of SEO when you came up with that name. Yeah, it's weird. I ended up, um, I was originally going to be Teal Camaro because I always wanted a Teal Camaro when I was a kid and I had the Hot Wheel. And my wife was like, you drive Hondas and you're into like import cars. It's kind of weird if you have like Camaro as your music project. And I'm like, oh, you're, you're kind of right. But my teal has always been my favorite color. And um, my music space that I wrote, all the music was teal, the walls were teal, and uh, it's just a very creative color for me. So I ended up just shortening it to teal, and I was like, I can't really own this word. I mean, I guess I could, but it's a lot harder for people to find your music. So I just changed the spelling up and kind of went from there. But it, it is kind of a weird thing. You know, people see it and people still spell with two E's. So, you know, it happens. I like the idea that your wife just put the kibosh on you, like trying to have a cool persona. I like that. That's not who you are. (laughs) She was kind of right, though. Like, I mean, Teal Camaro just sounded so nice. I think it still would have held up really well. But I ended up having a track on my first album called Sweet Camaro. So that way I still gave a little nod to that moment, you know. And And I was working with Mood Gadget Records at the time, too, and just kind of running ideas by um, the curator and he was like no teal's cool you know it's it's short it's sweet it's easy to say and then you know you own the spelling and if you google teal with three e's i should be the only thing that comes up so it works to a degree well i mean that's the thing that's the funny part too right because you know there's a lot of people going around with like fucking Killmaster 45 and death switch and you know like they drive a prius yeah so like your wife was right. I think she was right. Yeah. I mean, if I was like Teal 1985 or, you know, I think that might have been a different approach or, you know, a lot of a lot of groups will, you know, add an animal 
or night or something that kind of fits with the genre and I get it because you see the word and you go oh this must be a synthwave act or a death metal act um, Teal's kind of weird because it's just like a made up word so I guess maybe I shot myself in the foot in a weird way but I also kind of created my own thing so it's no 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 it's a good thing I mean I find the naming convention in synthwave to be a little odd because synthwave is like this this genre that exists where people name their bands in order to fit the convention of the I mean, I guess other genres do that. I mean, I guess if you're in, like, those weird, like, crust punk and those fucking things, like, their names are always, like, Filth Magnet or, what you know, like, they always have to come up with right. horrible things that have the word filth and death. Or death metal bands will use, like, ten words. It's like, I once knew you, but now I know you're a shadow within my mind. Yeah. And, like, that's the track title. <laughs> Was that ten words? I'm counting on my fingers. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know. That didn't even make sense. But you know what I'm saying. It's like a long phrase that you'll never even be able to Google that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty funny. But there's there's synthwave generators on uh, It's like Turbo Knight, you know, Velociraptor. My favorite thing, anytime I talk to anybody when we come up with fake synthwave names, you always hesitate right after you say the first word or the second word because you're afraid you're accidentally going to actually call out an actual name of an artist right and i noticed you did the same thing that's why you went with velociraptor i can read your mind because i do the same thing i'll be like yeah laser knight and then i pause uh dildo master because i almost probably said an actual person's name and they're going to be like offended that i made fun of their their artist name so there is actually a laser knight dildo master so you have offended a lot of people yeah (laughs) and and the dildo community and the well look the bottom line is this all right you make cool tunes you gotta have sort of like a new wavy sort of sound the fucking like the guitars and the the singing style and stuff so i dig that it sounds cool thanks yeah it's it's been a a weird journey um you know each album that i've done for i guess the last decade now which is kind of crazy to think about the teal project was you know i was writing songs in 2010 synthwave wasn't really a word yet it was you know a chill wave and you had a little bit of like outrunner you know and and kind of movie score stuff and that's what i was listening to you know i think a lot of the french collective college and all those guys I think I was just uh, attracted to them because I was into synthesizer music. And that's when I started like, you know, Synthemask or Synth Records, my record label. It was a lot of bedroom pop artists that were just writing songs with, you know, vintage equipment and kind of had that 80s aesthetic. So I, I got to really see the journey of, I guess, Synthwave being born and becoming, you know, when Stranger Things came out and all these movies started like scoring to it. I was like, wow, this is... I I feel like the world kind of caught up a little bit. You know, I I thought when Drive came out, I was like, man, someone stole my iTunes playlist because these are the people that I listen to. But that was kind of the French influence um, in my music that I was kind of drawn to. I'm a huge fan of Air and um, Roy Kesop, just kind of all those vintage equipment guys that were just using old synthesizers at the time that wasn't really that cool, but it became very cool in the last decade. So it's it's cool to see that. But yeah, I, I generally have a lot of influence from Synthwave, but also other styles of music that I listen to. Well, how about this? Let's listen to a track, all right? I want to uh, listen to this tune here. This one's from your uh, Hydrostatic album. Uh, it's called You're Mine by T. Heal. 
right, and that was Teal with the track You're Mine. And I'm here right now with Teal, Mr. Jim Smith. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Uh, You're Mine was a really fun track. We ended up, uh, I was playing a show in Pittsburgh and I met a group of people and this girl was like, oh, I really like your style of music. And we ended up working on overtime together, but it kind of had this like synth funk vibe to it. So You're Mine, that track was a little bit of like the Jerry Curl style synth funk vibe, you know, with a little kind of disco-y guitar to an extent. But when, when I worked on Overtime, that was that track Good Enough. This girl, Erica Lee, that I met, she was really into Your Mind and she's like, I want to write a song like this. So um, that was a little bit of that inspiration, but a little bit of a different cut on that track and or on the album. And it was really fun writing it. So... What do you do? Like, are you making music all the time, or do you uh, do you work? You working man? Yeah, no, I'm I'm a working man. I I actually work in advertising, so I do a lot of um, you know I'm in Photoshop a lot. I'm in in design. I'm actually an associate creative director at an agency, so you know I'm kind of flexing my creative art skills during the day and working on you know advertisements and commercials and printed materials, and and then you know I end up going home and spend some time with the wife and hang out, do dinner and, you know, live, live a normal life as they will. And then as the world falls asleep, I'll kind of find myself in the studio till the wee hours of the morning. So I generally write most of my music like after 10 o'clock, you know, just lose sleep essentially, but I love it. It's a passion project that I'll do until I die. What is an associate creative director? What does that mean? So a creative director, basically we work on a lot of advertising materials. So Right now, I'm working on a, a current commercial, and essentially, as projects come in, you know, I, I look at them and determine, you know, how many hours these projects take, and figure out allocations to have enough art directors and graphic designers and writers, and you know, manage the brand essentially for all of their creative needs. So, if we have to do a commercial, or if we have to do uh, an entire display at a convention you know um we do all the advertising for a lot of different companies so it's pretty cool you know it's it's always challenging and long hours but really rewarding and every day is like a new kind of challenge and something that kind of flex my creative skills and you know i'm kind of lucky to do it it's stressful but it's also rewarding so it's cool it sounds almost like a managerial sort of thing so like do you come up with like premises for the the campaigns or you sort of delegate to people who do that um yeah kind of both to be honest i mean we'll do complete creative pitches and we go through message testing and so it's it's an it's a whole process you know developing a brand essentially from you know name creation logo identity branding packaging you know all the way through a commercial that hits tv so it's essentially everything advertising but yeah i i also get my hands dirty and um you know i design a lot of stuff so a lot of even what i do creatively um with teal i'll do a lot of the design work and kind of the vision or the whole aesthetic of the project does it depend in and as far as advertising goes on the size of the client like if it's like a smaller client you kind of go like all right fucking tim can handle this fucking (laughs) thing but then when some like pepsi walks in it's got to be like all right man like i'm on this campaign no i mean uh every day is different you know we have people with totally different skill sets we have you know developers and ux guys and illustrators i mean i mean everyone kind of has 
their own tasks and talents. So as projects come in, certain people enjoy working on branding projects or logo design, or there's people that are really good at, you know, working on consumer commercials and, you know, have experience with TV. So, you know, it's generally you have a team that, you know, everyone kind of has their part. I mean, even with this whole coronavirus and everything, it's changing the way the entire market acts. So it's it's pretty wild. This is kind of a, a unique time for everyone. What is message testing? Oh, uh, so message testing is like, if you wanted to go in and say, what is the best thing that I could say that's going to draw in users to the Beyond Synth podcast? Is it the <laughs> word synthwave is it the word coronavirus it's it's like almost <laughs> hashtags like what are the things that well, those are my options <laughs> yeah synthwave or coronavirus i mean actually you should probably tag both for this conversation but you essentially will put messages out in front of like large groups of people and you see what works and what people gravitate towards and i mean it's like anything in advertising you want to know what people are wanting right okay see For some reason, when I heard the phrase message testing, what popped into my head first was that, (laughs) like, you choose a bunch of catchphrases, so you're like, hey, Cocoa Pebbles tastes like shit, and then you've got, like, some old lady in a booth, and you just show her Cocoa Pebbles tastes like shit, and she tells you whether or not that's, like, a good phrase or not. No, no, that's pretty damn accurate. I mean, we'll, you know... We, we will uh, always test a lot of different things out there, you know, with the brand just to see what's resonating with viewers. I mean, we do, um, you know, it's you'll see those questionnaires all the time online and or if you go to CVS or any kind of, you know, market, they're like, oh, where, what's your zip code? And, you know, for the items you're buying, we want to know that in this zip code that you really enjoy buying Pop-Tarts that are chocolate flavored, you know? Right. It's really just how the, the world's going these days. You know, people want to have the, the shelves stocked with what you want and, and they want to say what you want to hear, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you what I want to hear, more music. So we're going to listen to this track. Uh, this is another one from Hydrostatic, which I dug. It's called Imperial, and it is by Teal.
And that was Teal with the track Imperial. And I'm here right now with, well, my voice is a fucking thing there. I'm here right now with Teal, a.k.a. Jim Smith. We're talking about advertising, which is, uh, it's interesting. I know people, when they come on the show, they always want to talk about their music, but I'm always interested by their these sort of unique occupations. That's what gets my interest. No, I mean, it's it's really interesting because I, I do put a lot of uh, time into work, obviously, you know, work long hours, but... A lot of those, uh, the things I do throughout the week, I'm like, man, I should really do this with my music project, you know? Like, I should uh, practice what you preach, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Advertising is obviously important to sell products, you know, and ideas, but it's also... I mean, um, you know, I work in a lot of pharmaceutical and healthcare industry stuff. So it's kind of amazing to hear people's stories and learn about other, you know, diseases and categories. So it's also like my, my job's interesting because every day I'm kind of learning something new, you know, about something, whether it's heart disease or you name it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So when did you start making tunes then? Um, I started writing music in, I would say, the late 90s. I was really into drum and bass music so definitely into the underground sound i've always been really into big drums and big kind of heavy synthesizer sounds that's what got me into production and i started writing drum and bass probably in the early 2000s and just started going a little bit more organic with my sounds so i would find old you know electronic instruments or i start recording old guitars or try to sing and that was kind of where teal birthed from because i was like oh i could record my own vocals at home in my bedroom like i don't need a studio or i could just record this old guitar i bought at a flea market last weekend so that started to get my music a little bit more um you know out of the dark drum and bass realm and into this slow heavy synth dark music so you know a lot of my albums the second half of the albums are generally very darker I'll have a lot heavy guitar heavy bass a little bit more somber in mood so although I do write light poppy stuff I also write kind of darker dramatic music that's I would consider electronic rock you know I mean I use a lot of synthesizers but a lot of big drums a lot of big you know guitar and like vocal moments so you know, it's just kind of a culmination of all the music I've listened to from the late 90s till now. Everything from Pantera and Deftones to College and any of the kind of newer guys that have put stuff out. You know, I love FM Attack and some of the newer uh, acts that have been around for a while, but I guess they've finally gotten the recognition that they deserve. So it's, it's cool to see the synthwave scene grow to something this big. What did you call yourself when you made drum and bass music? So I, I went by two names, actually. Agent Smith, because obviously The Matrix came out, and that was like James Smith. <laughs> Agent Smith just seemed appropriate, you know. Um, and then I went with the name Incision, uh, which was very, like, dark, techie step, neuro stuff, you know, that was very popular in early 2000s. And ironically, the, the artist Excision was huge in dubstep, but that was... That was kind of after my time, and I, that's that's kind of when I fell out of drum and bass. Is when dubstep got really big and like the big EDM festivals. I kind of got bored with it, and I was more interested in artists that had like little MIDI controllers and synths and would like sing over their tracks. So I, you know, it was more into like Washed Out and Tori Moi and kind of these guys that were just making stuff in their bedroom. I was like, oh, I I can do this too, and. You know, so I started to fool around with the teal sound. Now, is it just you or is there someone else in the project? So the first two albums I wrote uh, strictly by myself, you know, and all of my music is 
you know, written, recorded, mixed and mastered out of the box. Um, I don't send any of my stuff out to studios to be mastered or anything like that. But Steve Klanacek was an old guitarist buddy and friend from high school. And we actually kind of learned guitar together and we played in metal bands back in, you know, in, I would say 1998, 1999. And he continued to play for a bunch of different metal bands. And I got more into DJing out and more of the electronic music production. And I would say after my second album, I reached out to him. I was like, hey, you know, I'd love to really get, you know, a live guitarist on stage and collaborate with you because we always really connected and wrote great music together and uh he would just come over every sunday and we started recording guitars on on a lot of my stuff and that was that's kind of what made the hydrostatic album those are all his guitars so it's a little bit of a different approach and it allowed me to focus more on the synthesizers and like lyrics and vocals and you know i showed him a lot of production techniques of recording guitars and he would kind of do it on his own and send me stuff online so it became a virtual project so the last two albums you know he sent me a lot of the guitar lines you know he moved to arizona and i was like super bummed because i was in new jersey at the time and uh i ended up just moving to san diego about a year and a half ago so now he's close and we've done shows together which is really cool but um we we work fully virtual at this point i'll send him a track and he'll record guitar over it and send me the files over and you know i can put them right in right into the song and it's worked out really well so it's a it's a new era for writing music well how about we listen to some of that music all right we're gonna move uh we're gonna move ahead in time here to the overtime album which is the newest one is that correct yeah and uh and we're gonna listen to this track because it's cool it's called one more time by teal
And that was Teal with the track One More Time. And I am here right now with Teal, Mr. Jim Smith, Agent Smith, Incision, fucking, uh, do I have all that? Yeah, no, that's good. (laughs) Yeah, so the last album that we did together was a long project. That one took about three years to do. Um, Again, mentioning that I work in long hours and advertising, it's a lot harder to put out material, you know? I give a lot of credit to the guys that have made music their, you know, sole passion and their sole project of, or their sole, you know, business essentially, right? You know, they're touring and putting out new material, but it is really hard to, you know, work long hours and then also be relevant in the music industry and pushing your music and your sound and putting material out frequently. You know, I kind of beat myself up on this, but the title Overtime came from that because I had to work overtime to get the album done. So I was losing sleep. I was getting a little depressed and just not, you know, releasing material enough. And, and when you get up to three years, you're like, man, I got to put an album out. This is killing me. But you become more critical on yourself and you want to put out good content. You don't want to just put out stuff to put it out. And um, this album, I, I really, truly worked the hardest on. So it was... I think my most polished project, it kind of was a full culmination of all of the albums leading up to this. So it was a little bit of chill wave, a little bit of synth pop, a little bit of new wave, a little bit of instrumental stuff. So it was kind of a big mix of, you know, the last 10 years of Teal, just kind of putting it, wrapping up in one album. That was kind of the the goal with it. So, you know, as I work on the new stuff, I, I think maybe it'll be another year, but uh, I think we're right on schedule for putting out something that's going to be f- that feels fresh, but also has that teal sound. When you were losing all that sleep, were you just hoping that you would get a client in at the advertising company that just sold like energy pills that you could get some free samples of? <laughs> yeah, that would have been helpful. Um, weirdly enough, I didn't drink any caffeine at the time. I'm a pretty hyper guy, but um, it was a struggle. You know, when you when you start trying to be creative after a long day, it certainly drains you a little bit. You lose a little bit of motivation, but you know, I, I definitely get inspired by movies and, and, and my friends out there doing it. You know, I have a lot of a lot of friends that are musicians and it's exciting to see them out on tour and, and working and busting their ass and like really going for it. So that's inspiring too. You know, you want to keep up on yourself too to you know put out new material and and stay relevant and still you know people want to hear new stuff you know i think it's a time where people will download a file and and enjoy it in a day it's old news you know so it's a lot harder when you want to put out a full album you know i think it's easier when you put out singles but i'm a firm believer of like writing an album so I just got to kind of stick to my guns and I feel like they're a little bit more timeless. You know, people still write to me that the first album I wrote 10 years ago is like their favorite album. So like that's, that means the world to me. I'm like, oh man, that's kind of the driving inspiration to keep going. It's a tricky thing, right? Because I I mean, this is a conversation I've been having with a lot of people on this show is that the fact that there's so much content now and with what you're saying, it's like this weird cycle where there's so much stuff and there is a lot of great stuff. I mean, I I will joke about the garbage, but I mean, there is also a lot of really great music. I mean, you know, my synthwave playlist now 
is absurdly long. It's, what, like 38 days? I think I have, like, four days of music just for this year. We're looking back to when we were kids and, like, when we played video games, you'd have a favorite game because you just couldn't afford to have another one. So it's like, well, I'm just going to play the shit out of this game and I'm going to listen to this album because that's the album I have, you know? Oh, yeah. So now we're spoiled and there's so much music that I I don't know that we're necessarily giving things the time to breathe. Because I used to allow albums to grow on me. Like, I know, like, when Radiohead went in that weird direction, I remember at first going, I don't know how I feel about this, but then it grew on me, and then I really liked it. And now, I don't know that I allow things to grow on me. It's sort of like, if I instantly don't like it, I'm like, nope, it's gone, you know? Yeah, you, you kind of scrub through it quickly, and and I think we're all guilty of it now. You know, it's the Instagram and world where you just scroll past videos. I mean, if it's a minute video, you're like, I don't have a minute for this. Yeah. <laughs> It's like three minutes song. That's a long time now. Whereas like I, I'm still kind of a purist of heart. I mean, granted I'm a little bit older, but I'll end up throwing on even today. I just, I'm working from home and I'm like, oh, I'll throw on. I, I listened to vinyl records today and it was like so rewarding to just put on a record and let it play and like really take in. All right. The artist picked this as the first song. This is the second song. There's a whole vibe that you get from an album versus a, a single or, you know, I, I probably, to be honest, I have hundreds and hundreds of tracks on my hard drive that no one will ever hear, but there are so many started projects and ideas and I'm like, oh, I, I could just put it out every two weeks. I could put out a new track, but, you know, I just kind of, I stay a little reserved on it and, and maybe it's not the best uh, approach, but I feel like when I put out an album, I can like have it pressed to vinyl, you know, and feel proud of it as an entire full concept. You know, I think that that means a lot to me versus just like putting stuff out every couple months, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. No, there's definitely like there is a value to that. I just it's hard, I suppose, when there's like a million other (laughs) albums uh, vying for sort of that same space in people's ears. I don't think that's an expression. No, you're, you're right, though. There is there is a little bit of... Um, I remember, you know, going to a store and just looking at the album art and you essentially, like, just have faith in that plastic-covered piece of, you know, CD. You're like, look, I can't even listen to it, but this cover looks awesome. You know, and you go home, and to your point, you, you're like, well, I paid 20 bucks for it, so, like, I got to listen to it at least three times, you know? Yeah. By the third listen, you're like, ooh, there's something different about this, or I can really relate to this now and or becomes a little bit more memorable because you're kind of forced into that practice but now it's like you know streaming left and right you know spotify you just click to the next thing it's almost like when a commercial pops up on spotify or on soundcloud and it's like 13 second commercial and you want to like punch your screen because you're like 15 seconds of this person talking are you kidding me like get back to the music you know i think what pisses me off the most though is with Spotify, it's always the same ad. Like, when, whenever I go on Spotify, it's always, like, one day it'll be for Skittles, and, like, literally every ad is the same Skittles ad every time they go to the break. Yeah. And it's like, play me a different fucking ad. I mean, like, I, I like Skittles fine, but... Now that you've said it, though, like, two times, like, you're going to see a Skittles ad as soon as you go back to, like, Facebook, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Skittles, let's listen to some more music. I'm not uh, great at segues, all right? So <laughs> I want to listen to this track. This was one from, uh, from the album. It's called Synth City featuring Suzanne, whoever Suzanne is, but she's got a cool voice, and and it's a track by Teal. 
And that was Teal with the track Synth City featuring Suzanne. And I'm here right now with Teal, Jim Smith. So, who is Suzanne? So Suzanne is actually one of uh, my wife's close friends, Sue. She came over one night. Uh, we, we were having a party at her house. You know, there's probably like 10, 15 people. And I had her, you know, come into the my room where I had all my recording equipment. And I was like, always teasing her for, you know, 10 years. We've known each other since high school. And we were like, I got to record you, you know. And a lot of the Teal albums, like I don't have guest vocalists, you know. it's very Generally, it's just me. So we just tried these like vocal comps and she just kind of sang into the microphone and then I wrote that song to her singing essentially so she kind of sang to a a click track and then it became a thing so that was a really interesting approach to writing a song I've never done that before where I had her essentially just do vocal harmonizing to a track and then you know the track was built off of her so that was kind of hard for me to do but it also created a really fun unique track that you know got added to the album yeah 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 well i I dug the sound i like that kind of reminded me of remember like the mid late 90s there were like a lot of these techno and electronic acts where they would have like vocals that would just come in without lyrics necessarily but just yeah these vocal harmony kind of things and it kind of reminded me of that sort of era almost like that is like cnc music factory and those artists that had like that strong powerful female vocal you know well there was this one lady i think she's died what the hell was her name ofra haza was that what she's called she was a an israeli singer uh she didn't sing in english it was like like techno music and they did a lot of like kind of like vocal chopping and stuff Well, it says here Ofra Haza was referred to as Madonna of the East. So there you go. That's uh, <laughs> Anyway, that's just what I thought of when I listened to the track. But uh, talk more about your track. So like, did you uh, did you guys have lyrics or what was going on? There was no real lyrics. And then then I had her just kind of whisper, like, take me there, you know, take me to Synth City. Um, I thought it was kind of fun. You know, she always had like a very sexy, sultry voice. So that was it, it was kind of a joke that turned into like a real song. So it's fun. Yeah, it's always nice when you can sort of have like a sense of humor about it. Like sometimes it's hard like to be sincere and do certain types of singing or write certain types of songs. And so like it's easier if you approach it in a joking way. But then once the thing, the product is finished, then you can sort of be like, take it seriously from that point on, you know, when it's actually done. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of times where I'll have kind of a tongue-in-cheek, you know, lyrics, but this song feels... I'm like, oh, I'm singing about Monster Squad in this song, but it's like this sad song. Or it's something upbeat and fun, but you're singing about some, like, goofy time that you had. There is a song that we did called Party with a question mark, and that was based off of uh, being at South by Southwest you know, one of, one of my buddies was like passed out drunk next to a toilet and we took a picture and we wrote party and like texted <laughs> to him. Like, do you want to, you want to go out? And it like became like the track title, you know? Right. So sometimes you have those, and no one knows that, right? Like you, you hear it on a podcast, but other than that, like two people get the joke, like no one else does. So uh, that's kind of fun. Well, I'm a big fan of the inside joke. That's what keeps me interested, you know, especially when doing this show, I've done like, you know, a few hundred episodes now, so I have to entertain myself. So oftentimes I'll just say dumb things that are like literally only for me. And then like one person listening catches it. Oh, yeah. I I probably reference movies like 
15 times a day in my office. And a lot of people that I work with are a lot younger than me. So I'll, you know, I'll reference a movie and they just look at me like I'm completely psycho. Cause they're like, what does that line even mean? And I'm like, Oh, it's from this. And I'm like, that's right. No one in this room has seen that movie <laughs> except me. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm like, no, that was a perfect moment for that line. Like if you felt that moment and you heard the line and you understood the reference, it was brilliant. You know? Yeah, it's just, it's always disappointing when people don't know. Like, I remember one day I made, like, a commando quote. There's a place I worked for, freelance, but every so often I'd have to go to the office and, like, pick up uh, materials and stuff. And uh, I would be, like, a funny guy in the office for, like, uh, ten minutes, and then I would take off, which always felt good. Like, I could be, like, wacky guy, and everyone's like, oh, you're a really funny guy, you should do stand-up. I'm like, haha, it's a lot less funny after ten minutes. <laughs> it's like, if I actually worked here, you guys would fucking hate me. But uh, I I remember coming in I was doing like some commando riffs and no one got it I'm like commando and they're like what's commando and I'm like what the fuck yeah <laughs> like what the fuck commando is and I just walked out Brutal. no way there's a lot of like really dumb horrible movies that I have very low standards with I'm like no that's a really funny line or that's a really you know hilarious moment but I've only have like a handful of buddies that I've watched the movie with a hundred times and they're not in the room with me so yeah. like when you say it, you just look like a complete weirdo, yeah, you know, and they're like, I don't know what that means. I'm like, no. And I have to like pull up the YouTube clip and <laughs> then it's like in Spanish, you know, because it's not even a real clip. You're like, fuck. Or you got to watch like a two minute ad. Yeah. And you're like, never mind. Like er- everything's lost. Why did I even, why did I even say it? That's where you just have to like slink out of the room and just like Craig would have found it funny. And then you just fucking walk away. Right. Are you like Homer Simpson into the back of the bush? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone in my room is about 25 to 40. So I think they're going to understand Homer Simpson back into a bush. The problem is they probably just know it from the gif. Right. Right. Oh, I've seen that meme. Because my son, he's like, he's nine. And so like he sees all the memes. And so to me, I'm laughing because I know it's a Terminator reference. And other people might laugh because they understand the meme of Homer Simpson walking backwards but to me I'm just remembering back when I was a kid watching that episode for the first time and there's all these T2 references and I'm like that was some of the first stuff I actually got you know there's a lot of Simpsons I watched when I was like in grade 3 and 4 and I was young I was you know like 8 or 9 and I didn't get any of the movie references and I think when they did that Terminator one, that was the first time I sort of got the joke. And I'm like, hey, I know Terminator 2. Oh, it's a, yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, Simpsons is genius with predictions and definitely adult references in cartoon that, you know, may not be offensive, but they definitely hit on a certain spot where you're like, oh, I, I get that. I understand that. You know, and like a lot of, a lot of shows these days will... You know, I like when they break that fourth wall and kind of look at camera and say something, you know, that's like very Deadpool moment. It's it's always fun because you're like, they'll look at you and be like, oh, well, what does the audience think? You know, like that's always kind of a fun fun moment. I tell you what else is fun is listening to cool music. Yeah. Let's uh let's listen to this one. Then maybe we can sort of wind this down afterwards, but we'll uh we'll listen to this track first. It's called Penny Press and it's by Teal.
And that was Teal with the track Penny Press. And I am here right now with Teal, Agent Smith. How's it going, man? Good, good. Thanks for playing that track. I think this one was um, kind of a weird prediction track. If you're familiar with the Penny Press, it's the little press that when you, you know, you go to museums or you go to like new locations and you can put a penny in and pay 50 cents and they'll press it and make a little coin for you. It actually devalues the penny, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, here, you paid 50 cents and now you can't, it's not even worth a penny. But no, Penny, penny Press, the, the lyrics in that song were really just about me and my wife road tripping and traveling. You know, whenever I'm not working a lot, we'll hit the road and kind of discover this beautiful country and we'll usually pick like two or three states we've never been to and just road trip through it and try to find all those offbeat things on the side of the road and support small businesses and try all their food and that was kind of a unique song because I wrote that and then I just took a job out in San Diego about a year ago, a year and a half ago and um, we ended up doing exactly what we said in the lyrics about just you know driving across the country and uh, just me and you and that's kind of what we did so it was a weird prediction, you know it's like a premonition track I guess because I just thought one day we would do it, I just didn't know it would be like a year after putting that album out Now, now I live in San Diego, it's just such a bizarre thing, you know, living in New Jersey like the last you know 30 something years of my life well it's like the secret man you put down you did your vision board except you did it in song form no you're right it's it's a really weird thing because um you know i've been with my wife since i was in my first band with steve who plays guitar with me right now so you know i've been with my wife for 24 years at this point which is a long time wait so what was that band called uh we were transgression which was like a metal uh we were i guess 16 or 17 we were in a we were like a straight edge metal hardcore band so you know it was a lot of like screaming vocals really technical fast guitars with crazy big drums and um that was like one of my first shows i met my wife and then i got into some kind of like incubus deftone style band called McFly, you know, I'm a huge Back to the Future fan. Then I got into the Teal Project, which was me singing over electronic beats. And that's kind of how the whole thing started. I guess my path of music was going from like metal to drum and bass back to electronic music. And my stepdad was really into a lot of like Devo and Talking Heads and New Order and Depeche Mode. So I always got a little bit of that 80s reference around the house. And uh, once I started buying old gear, it just kind of, you you kind of fall in love with that sound because you're like, you have a new little instrument or toy to play with. Man, so you've had quite the robust lineup of bands. Uh, that's a, I didn't word that question, right? You've got the quite the robust lineup of bands. How about that? <laughs> yeah. You can kind of hear it if uh, if you listen to the Teal Sound or, or if you listen to a full album. You know, there's definitely tracks that have some pretty metal guitars on it or heavily distorted. You know, I've always been about really big snare drums and really big kicks and, you know, punch through the mix. So a lot of those... I guess production techniques I learned with writing drum and bass and playing in bands and recording vocals and all. Again, I just, you know, I do it all in a bedroom. So everything you hear is DIY. There's no big production there. Just a lot of time and, and uh, dedication to creating your craft. You know, I don't sing every day and I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like a great singer, you know, but I write songs that, you know, I feel has an artistic vibe. I'm not like auto-tuning everything and, you know, making it overly produced. I'm, I'm trying to keep it authentic. And again, I think it'll be a little bit more timeless and probably outlive genre trends, if you will. 
True artistry, I feel like, is you make what you feel. And, you know, there's people who feel synthwave, you know. I just think there's a weirdness when it's like when you make something to fit a genre instead of doing what you feel, you know. I don't know. Yeah, no, there's certainly a a niche right now. There's some artists out there that will probably gravitate or, you know, not cash in on on the popularity of it. But, you know, there's going to be certainly people that do it for a living and they're like, oh, well, I can write a really well-produced track that fits within a genre or maybe it'll get licensed for a movie or a commercial or something that you know i mean that's that's their livelihood so i i understand that and i appreciate it i guess i'm i am fortunate that i do have my day job so that way i i can be a little bit more artistic with my music and not conform to what it you know a template is or whatever's popular at this very year or moment but you know i agree you, you just kind of write what you feel from the heart and whether people like it or not I mean that's okay I, I didn't you know I, I wrote it for me first and if people love it that's awesome if not it's cool like I mean it's not for them so I, I don't ever really take it to heart if you know especially singing on tracks right so if I didn't sing anything and I just wrote electronic music and I, I think it has a different place you know some people hate vocals and tracks some people you know, appreciate it. So, you know, you're going to have people that love or hate it. And when you get lumped into a category too, it it also confines your own sound too. So I try not to write a full album of anything too specific. When I talk about people sort of making stuff to fit a certain genre, obviously there's people whose whole employment, you know, especially if you if you work in uh, producing scores or things like this, obviously you're working to a brief and I get that. I think I'm just, I'm mainly speaking of people who it's like, if it's your hobby or you're doing it and you say music is your passion, then it's weird. But I understand totally if you like literally have a client and it's your job and they say make me some jungle beats for this fucking <laughs> yeah. pop tarts commercial then you're gonna do it because that's what you're gonna get paid so yeah there is kind of a fine line i do think you know some artists will um stick to their sound and there's a few artists that i followed through the years you know like Tycho and some of these other guys that have kind of stuck with their aesthetic and their sound and just stay true to who they are you know, they'll kind of come out of their comfort zone a little bit or they'll try something new. But at, you know, the core, it's who they are. So I always appreciate artists when they try new things. And but you always want to go back and like, oh, man, that album was way better, you know, because it's when you discover them or, you know, maybe they don't want to just keep writing the same damn thing over and over. And I understand that, too. And, and the good thing is you can always go back and listen to those classic tracks that, you know, brings you to a place or time. Well, that's a lovely message to sort of end this on. Do you want to say something to the people? Uh, yeah, I'd say, you know, obviously uh, do what you love and have passion in all that you do, whether it's, uh, you know, painting or writing or running a podcast or, you know, knitting or you you name it. But, um, you know, everyone stay safe out there. I know it's kind of a crazy time in this world, but I think, uh, you know, stay positive and just keep pushing, right? I actually thought, you know, uh, today I was like, man, maybe I'll like catalog my vinyl collection. You know, I mean, it's like such an undertaking that I've pushed off for like forever, but I'm, I'm like, this would be a good time to just like an hour here or there, you know, just so I know, you know, just little things like that. And obviously working on the new album, got to get some new stuff out there. So this is a good time to write lyrics and what a time to be alive kind of thing, right? I think we all have so many tasks in the back of our heads and, and they take up space. For me anyways, I find like if I have uh, chores to do, if I have um, obligations, it's like a weight I carry with me. And even if you make little checklists to do portions of things, like, you know, you 
just go incrementally work away at something. There's so much satisfaction in fucking getting stuff done. At least for me, like it, it really helps. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm a list guy. My my wife's probably not a fan of that, but I mean, it's kind of what I do with work too. You know, we have these deadlines. That's my whole life is a deadline. You know, everything's due at a certain time and it, it's good to put deadlines on yourself. You know, sometimes you got to work, you know, pun intended, you got to work overtime on things just to, like you said, get ahead. So then, you know, things get back to normal. You're like, man, I feel good about this. I, you know, I got this finished and maybe it's like a swift kick we all needed, you know, to stay on track. Maybe less time on social media and more time on our passions. Yeah, man. That is a very lovely sentiment. Well, look, Jim Smith, it was nice to chat with you. Nice to meet you. Absolutely. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's great. Yeah, dude. And uh, keep on making cool music and people uh, should go check out the music of Teal, which they can find at teal.net. Or (laughs) teal.bandcamp.com or tealmusic.com. Yeah, or or the correct addresses. Yeah, I actually don't know if I own teal.net, but I'm sure if you if you type in T E E E L, you'll find me. Nice. All right, man. Well, listen, you have a lovely day over there, and uh, keep on making cool tunes, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again sometime. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All right, and that was my chat with Teal. And uh, that was a good time. He's a cool guy. And that's the end of the show. So I just want to say goodbye to everybody. Damocles has been sitting in the corner patiently waiting to say goodbye. As we say in Swedish, goodbye, everyone. How do you say goodbye in Swedish? Hey, though. Hey, though. Hey, though. Did I do it right? I said, I, I told you, you can be Swedish. One funny thing about Swedish is that good morning in Swedish is good morgon. But if you spell that, it's... Like, good moron. You know, a good moron. And that would be me. (laughs) It's always nice to chat to a good moron. The important thing is that you're doing well and you're a silly man and and you've come up with this this new EP that people can go check out. And I hope they do. It's called uh, Hyperwave. Hyperwave. By Damocles. Absolutely. Yeah, man. And I hope things are going all right and you can work from home and make music. Tell you what, nobody knows where this is going, when it's going to end. So there's one easy way to do it. One day at a time. Hey, though. Hey, no. Hey, though. Hey, though. Hey, though. Hey, though. Hey, Hey, though. All right, this show is over. Uh, Everybody, have a lovely week. Uh, Tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is, and I'll cede the final words to Damocles. It's been great to be on the show with you, Andy. It's always such a pleasure. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, or you can donate directly on beyondsynth.com. Beyond Synth can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. And remember to like and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. Until next time...